You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast brought to you by ascully.com. And here are your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. Hello. It is. It has gone from summer to <laughs> winter, almost, in uh, the course of one day. It kind of chilled off, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> Everyone was complaining about how hot it was all summer, and then how dry it was, and now it's rainy and cold, and everybody's bitching about how rainy and cold it is. Yeah. This is not the before the after the show discussion. It's just the overall discussion in our area. I was just thinking my feet are cold, even though I've got socks on. I've got a blanket wrapped around me, but we like being cold. So. Prefer the cold. Yeah, absolutely. I sleep better when it's cold. I don't know about you. I think I do, yeah. Yeah, like because I can get warm under the covers, and then do you think anyone cares? Yeah, (laughs) I think people care. Um, The before the after the show discussion was really just this movie and me talking about Ireland because I'm plotting and planning a potential trip to Ireland next year. So if anyone does have ideas of non-touristy places to go with my two grown nieces, there are not many non-touristy places. This is the one time I'm going to tell you to email me at Sid Talk. It'd be SidTalk at SidTalk.com. Or you can tweet it at me or put it on Facebook or something. But I'm looking for out-of-the-way places. Alright, so it is Saturday, October the 13th. This is after the show number 552. And uh, we are a movie review podcast. This is the 552. We're not an Irish Ireland review podcast? No. A travel podcast? Nah. <laughs> Damn. We do travel to a different place every week through the medium of movies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This week would have been San Francisco. So, oh, I just realized this movie was in San Francisco. And Mm -hmm. Mr. Michael Douglas was from the streets of San Francisco. Oh, you're right. Good good post-observation there. All right. So the movie we're looking at this week in our review show is Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's a Marvel movie, of course, released it this year, 2018. It comes out on Blu-ray this upcoming Tuesday. Blu-ray, 4K, it's already out on digital. And um, it's from our friends at Disney and Marvel, and it's rated PG-13. Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Superheroes battling bad guys. (laughs) That's very good. You know, you got the bad guy... Which, to be fair, we're not clear on who that is in this one. No. There's the guy who's working for somebody else, so we don't even know who the bad guy is. Not really. Who wants to get this particular thing. And then you've got Ant-Man, the normal guy. You've got the rich guy who's got all the toys. And um, they want to rescue someone and thwart the bad guys. It's kind of complex, really. (laughs) Like all novel movies. Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, But I will put this out there. That before we watched it, I wasn't a huge Ant-Man fan, even though it was fun. And I was kind of like, ugh, another Ant-Man. After we know all the shit from the other Marvel movies and we know what's going on in the universe, how can this possibly even be relevant to this world or the story? And I wasn't really mm, thinking it was going to be that fun. Just kind of, mm, what's the word? Hokey. And I will say right now, before we get started... I loved it. Yay. So there you go. 
This um, movie is Marvel's 20th movie. I did count them this time. This is number 20. And it's, te- you know, they've made 20 in 10 years. So we've seen all 20. And um, I did like Ant-Man. I didn't think it was one of the greatest Marvel ones. It's not one that I've revisited. But you love Paul Rudd, so. But I do love Paul Rudd, and he does bring something to Ant-Man. I think he was a good choice to be Ant-Man. So um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, well, I, I really liked it a lot. I thought it was really... After Infinity War, there might be some spoilers here, so if you've not seen Infinity War, shame on you. And if you've not seen you Ant-Man First go watch Wasp, all other 19 movies, and yeah. then come back. So after the events of Infinity War, I, like you, was thinking, okay, Ant-Man and the Wasp is either going to go one of two ways. It ties into Infinity War and it's super depressing and like uh, big stakes. Or they'll go like the more like humorous way and give you a bit of a palate cleanser after the depressing uh, (laughs) Infinity War (laughs) conclusion. I mean... It leaves you on this big downer. And and they went both ways, really. The main movie is a fun, like, superhero. Um, it's more comic than all the others, really, don't you think? It's, um, I mean, Thor gets pretty funny in parts nowadays. Thor Ragnarok yeah. was kind of funny. But this is kind of... I feel like, first and foremost, it's aimed at getting laughs from you. It is, but it, I've... I feel like it's balanced well, and I don't like hokey comedy jabbed into what is, like, universe and galaxy and world-ending storylines. I think it's ridiculous to plunk in the comedy there. This, because they've lowered the stakes somewhat, we are rescuing the mom, and we're going into quantum stuff, and there's some... (laughs) elusive bad guy we don't know who it is so we don't know what the ultimate objective is of the guy that the um i i think of him as what was he in that guy was he in deadwood walton goggins the last time we saw him was in the new tomb raider movie a couple of months ago he was the buddy okay but he was in something else before where he was like a like a cowboy or something i think i don't know Anyway, we don't know who he works for, so we have no idea what the objective is, that the big bad story is going to be. All we're trying to do is to save somebody. And then there's that looming over there. So the comedy isn't trying to counterbalance, like, world-ending horribleness or billions of people dying. So I felt like it was really well done, really well balanced. Yeah, and after how giant Infinity War felt, mm-hmm. this felt contained and small, which it should. It's Ant-Man. It's supposed to be like... Yeah, a- like this story is still relevant and important to the people involved. Yeah. You I know, like- when you've got like a universe and threat, everybody seems kind of small, but I think this did a good job. I like how it addressed the events of Civil War in Germany with Ant-Man and how... Paul Rudd's character was actually prosecuted for his, you know... Like, superheroes in Marvel movies can get away with all kinds of stuff, but (laughs) since Civil War, and that was what Civil War was about, like, uh, you know, where you had to kind of, you know, register the fact that you were a superhero so they could keep tabs on you. So Ant-Man has been... Well, he's under house arrest in this movie. I thought that was kind of a cool... Mm -hmm. My favorite, what's my favorite house arrest movie? That one with <laughs> that guy? Disturbia. Yeah. Yeah. That's that a, guy. 
that's a really cool house arrest movie. It uses the house arrest constraints to make the movie pretty interesting. But this movie, you know, it's not all, he's not under house arrest. Well, actually he is, isn't he, for most of the movie? Yep. He just kind of breaks it a little bit sometimes. So I did enjoy that, the, the fact that he was paying for what, for something he's done. And he uh, he's still not like super, he is Ant-Man, but he's a, still a bit hapless, right? He's not like super, like I'm fantastic at being Ant-Man. True. He doesn't seem 100% comfortable with it. Whereas the Wasp, who we didn't see in the last movie, we just saw um, her alter ego. But in this, she becomes the Wasp and she's his partner, right? So um, she it's more her movie than his, I think. You know? she Oh, definitely. She's the badass in this movie. He's more of the... She's good. Yeah, he's more of the... I don't know, though. It's really... some Some of the action scenes... I think what I like most about this movie, and I think it did it, what I said about the original Ant-Man was it didn't capitalize on the Ant-Man thing of things being giant, things being small. It didn't do it enough. In this movie, I thought it the way it did it was awesome. Like, Absolutely. That was my number one, like, yes, because that's what I said was if you're going to go into a world where somebody can shrink down to the size of an ant. I want to see all that old school shit like from Bewitched and all those yeah. old movies where they're sitting on the end of a shoe and the, all the props in the set are gigantic and you're convinced in sort of a weird Hollywood way that they're really tiny. And I I thought they did that really well. Yeah, this movie did it in numerous ways. You know, when she threw that salt shaker, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And, you know, there's the change from something being minute to really huge. Ant-Man becomes... We've seen Ant-Man become really huge before. we actually seen him become huge in um, Civil War. But um, he becomes really huge. Like It's like Gulliver's Travels huge, right? Yeah. That's what it reminds me of. I like that. And it's really cool because he's like stomping around San Francisco and he's huge. Like a, He's like a size of a skyscraper, I would say. And he is just stomping around and it's believable to in look which? at. This one? In this one, right? No, he wasn't the size of a skyscraper. He was only 80 feet tall. 80 feet tall. Yeah. Yeah, well... Not Big enough to walk across a bay and pick up a guy off a boat. Big enough mm-hmm. to stand in the water and still Correct. be at his waist. Um, and it's believable to watch. He's like... It looks pretty good. Yeah, he's scooting down the road on the back of a truck. He's so big. And the truck just look, looks like a skateboard. It's so small. And then I love the fact that, like, they, they used it, like, Hank Pym... Um, the creator of the Ant-Man stuff. He had, he just had like a little Hot Wheels thing, like a, <laughs> in his car. And you just pull out the Hot Wheels and put it on the floor. The little then, box you put all your Hot Wheels in. You, it's like a shape of a tire and you open it up and it's got all your little cars in it. But they're real cars. Yeah. So, so you cute. can turn the car, you can, uh, you know, he turns his, well, as we saw in the first one, they turn the office building that they work in into like a, a briefcase, uh, a suitcase. That, you know, that see, my it. only complaint would be... That if you start moving that building around, everything's going to fall off of every shelf. True. Unless they've defied gravity in some way inside of it. (laughs) When they tilt it, because it has like a suitcase thing in the top, like a roller handle and wheels. So when you tilt it and go over the bumps and people are throwing it around, everything inside would be destroyed. So I had to I had to get that out of my head. Unless he used some magnet technology where everything locks down. (laughs) And maybe that was there and I didn't catch it, you know, but... I'm sure there's some 
explanation. It was a laboratory, so there was lots of little working parts. Yes. But I had to just be like, no, 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 ignore it, ignore it, ignore. So here's my question. When he built the laboratory, did he build it small out of Lego bricks or whatever? Or did he build the big version of it and shrink it down? Big version, shrink it down. So how did he get a massive um, suitcase handle? After he shrunk it down, he put the handle on Oh, uh, okay. I'm trying, I don't know. I'm, I'm, just, into I'm just winging it here. I'm just saying, <laughs> if you're, if you're going to nitpick it like I did, we'll find a way to answer the question. I'm going with he made the small version in his in his attic just out of Lego or out of modeling materials. Well, then the giant, then the full size would be Legos. No, not, not Legos. Modeling materials. More like a, a toy train um, thing. But then it did. would all look weird. Like that house that he pulled out at the end to make into his real house? Like that. I think that was his up. house originally. Right, right. Remember? When he said his house didn't exist anymore, but that was his house. Right. So that my question is... That was in the middle is, of the city. Is the, can he make things small and make them big? Or do you have to make them big and make them make them small? Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> because if I made like a shitty little paper mache house and then made it big, it would be a, a shitty big paper mache house, right? Yeah, that's my point. Yeah. Yeah. So it has to be made big. Right. Yeah. Well, you got to Even though it look cool. It's a cool thing, but you got to have some money to do it. <laughs> it seems these really rich people <laughs> are the good solution in these stories to make it so that they can do anything. All right, want. so don't think about this too deeply. No, 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 no. Do not overthink it. But like I say, it capitalized on the scale of being small, being big, and the way Wasp operates. She can fire a thing and become small, and then become big in a, in a second. Like so, she uses it in combat. She'll be flying as a little tiny wasp. Then she'll fly into a car window, turn into herself, normal size, fight some bad guys, and then fly out the window as a wasp again. Like So all that stuff, it was seamless to me. It wasn't yeah, like, I agree. It looked really good. Yeah, like how, and I was watching some of it thinking, wow. that's. And when she's driving a car, she's driving the little miniature car, and then she'd drive it underneath a real-size car, and they're looking up, and you can see the underneath of the car. And then she becomes, you know, makes the car big again. So it plays with it all. That part at the end where they're in the drive-in movie theater was really inventive. I love that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, they, yeah, they used a drive-in movie theater, but it, they're just in little Hot Wheels and the, the screen is a laptop. Very cute. Which was really cool. So, yeah, I, it capitalized on all that. Um, as far as the story goes, it's very typical Marvel, right? Typical comic book. The, the stakes don't feel after Infinity War. I feel like the stakes don't feel quite as high, but as a small as the thing that they're dealing with, it feels high in the moment. Yeah, and you have in the back of your mind, like you asked, "Oh, is this connected to that? Are we going to get revisited by that?" So that's kind of floating in your head anyway. That this ability to travel to the quantum plane. I don't know. I think that's what, the what they called it: the is. quantum plane. That that somehow could be involved in undoing Thanos' plan, but it, it's not. It's not even overtly at there at all. It's just in your mind. So the quantum plane in this movie, how it was visualized, I thought was really cool. It, it reminded mm-hmm. me of the one where they go inside the body, they shrink the. I people. mean, I didn't understand it because no. I don't understand quantum physics. He even, but <laughs> he even 
somebody even said like I don't you won't understand it right she said it you won't understand what it what it is when you're in it so it's just basically like we're gonna make up whatever we want yeah <laughs> it's a bit like Doctor Strange like the Doctor Strange movie where when it went into that weirdness at the end you were like I don't kind of can't comprehend this but I guess Doctor Strange can you know when you had the boss yeah. battle um it felt like that a little bit but it it was you know it was Fantastic Voyage is the movie I'm thinking of, where they go inside a body and they're just they're in a little submarine. That's yeah. what it felt like. Um, I really liked, aside from the Ant Man and the Wasp stuff, which I think was handled really well. I liked like the family drama be- with Paul Rudd and his daughter and all that stuff is real charming. It, it is very cute. It's cute. It's charming. It makes you feel for him because he's not a perfect guy. He was a burglar, if you remember the first yeah movie. He he was actually a cat burglar who, you know, a bad... Well, not 100% a bad guy, but he was robbing people. He was a criminal. Yeah. Um, he's been in prison. He's not the perfect guy, but he's, like they say in the extras, he's kind of the every guy. He's not like... He's not a big... He's not a physical specimen. He's not, like, strong. He's got no powers. Not rich. He's not rich. He is everything that other Marvel characters are... And he's, is there any other Marvel character that is kind of nothing like him? <laughs> he's just nothing. He he's could be dad, anybody. Right? He's, he's a dad. That's his primary um, objective, well, to be a good dad. But that guy with the wings, he's not anything, is he? He can't do anything without Falcon. His, yeah. He doesn't have any abilities. No, he doesn't. He just has the suit, right? Yeah. yeah. Just like Iron Man. He's got nothing except that shit in his chest now. Oh, and but Iron he didn't Ma- have it first. Iron Man's also got money. Yeah, true. And the uh, Stark laboratories and all that kind and of stuff. And Black Widow. She doesn't have anything. She's just well-trained. Yeah, she's just uh, like an assassin type thing. But, yeah. I mean, there's nothing... No powers. ...that we know of. Now, we may discover that at some point. No, I mean, she doesn't punch somebody and they fly like half a mile across the room. It's not like that. So, yeah. But Ant-Man, his... Without the suit, the Ant-Man suit, he actually has no skills... In as, as far as a superhero would go. Yeah. I don't think he's even like a good fighter. You know, it's just, it's the suit that helps him. But, there, but then the Wasp, even though she also has no skills, she comes across more like a superhero to me. Like, she's actually into it. She understands the fighting. She's trained. Definitely. And he hasn't. So I like that kind of um, thing. I like that it's not too sappy with the romance between them. Yeah, exactly. Like, everything is well-balanced. Yeah, it didn't go, like, into super, like, she's in peril and he's upset and all that sort of stuff. It didn't do that ordinary thing. She can handle herself. He's the bumbling one, kind of, you know, more than she is. And they didn't go soppy with the love story. There is a bit of a love story, but it's more of a family story, I think. Um, How did you like... The special effect, like the CG in general. Oh, that was really good. I mean, there are moments where you're like, eh, close an eye. But mo- I say 90%, I was sold. And I'm pretty snotty about it. You know, I mean, like, if, if one thing catches my eye, like ragdoll, you know, where the person's body doesn't look like it's attached to the physics of the situation. Which often it doesn't in Marvel movies. There, there are yeah. many times where you But look- in this one, I felt like the big and the small, because they did it all really fast, and it did kind of blur a lot, but only briefly. And then you were in it. I still don't understand how the flying ant comes around every time he turns into... 
How does that happen? Yeah, and it wasn't even... It just appears whenever he becomes... Are they just following him around all the time, or...? Yeah, because Ant-Man doesn't actually have wings, whereas the wasp does, so Ant-Man needs to fly on the back of an ant. He can't actually but fly. But ants don't have wings, so these ants do. And <laughs> also there's handles on every one of these ants. Yeah. So like they're, a saddle. they're developed by Hank Pym, I guess. <laughs> and then they're just buzzing around at all times. <laughs> yeah. When every second that he turns into a... Yeah. Yeah, they're attracted to him. I did like how they use them to like with the cameras, where, where you see all the different yeah. ants, which they did in the first movie quite a bit. So, um, yeah, I really liked it a lot. I think um, there's going to be another Ant-Man movie, apparently. I'm happy about that. After the first movie, I was kind of like you. I enjoyed it. It was fun and everything. But then I was like, why do I need to see more Ant-Man? I don't feel like... And we have seen him in a co- in the Avengers movie. That's all- No, we've seen him in Captain America Civil War. Don't think we've seen him in anything else after that. So, um, this movie changed my mind about it. I think it... I think... I almost feel like um, Evangeline Lilly as the Wasp could play her own movie. I, f- I feel like there could be a Wasp movie without Ant-Man. I don't know. I think they go together. You do? Yeah. Um, and we, yeah, we don't need to see her origin because we already know it, right? So it's not like Black Widow. We haven't actually seen her origin yet. Why? After 10 years? I don't know. We know her origin. Who? Black Widow? Yeah, I mean, oh, we've we not seen it. We know, we, we know it because... We've, you know, well, we know about the comics and etc. But we haven't actually seen it on the screen. But there's going to be a Black Widow movie now, so. All right, so moving on to the cast, Paul Rudd plays Ant-Man again. I love Paul Rudd. I find him hilarious. You've always loved him. There's just something about him, like, that makes me laugh. You've got to admit, you were laughing at this movie. Yep, I laughed it's a lot. mainly down to him, right? Um, I think it's well written. Everybody's good. I like all the it. friends. Some... I like her reaction is almost always just dry and like, what is wrong with you? Uh, but not like obnoxious about it. One of the, one of the funniest parts was he, he went back, he went to, they had, there's a mission where they had to go to school and his suit was not working properly. So occasionally he was very small, like an action figure or like a kid. Let's yeah, say. it was funny. And uh, he put a hoodie on over his Ant Man suit, and he's wandering in the in the hall. The funny funny part for me when he gets back, he's still small, and he gets back in the um, the van at the end, and <laughs> and they're making jokes at him, and he's like, "Yo, get all your jokes out of the way." And one of them says, "Like, do you want a juice box and some?" <laughs> and he's like, "String cheese." And then he doesn't, yeah, and some string cheese. And then there's there's nothing. There's like a pause, and then he goes, "Do we have that?" <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's just stuff like that where it's it's goofy, and I can imagine kids love it. Also, it's funny at all levels, right? Kids can think that's funny. We can. It's not trying to be rude or racy. It's just funny. Like it's there's a lot of stuff like that in the movie. Um, so yeah, I love Paul Rudd. I didn't change my mind about him. I think he's a great Ant-Man. Are you the same? Yes. All right, Evangeline Lilly. Now this is one where we didn't particularly like her in the first movie. Uh, she took herself a little too seriously, if I remember It was correctly. a very different vibe. Even he said that she's different. Mm-hmm. In the other one, she was not the wasp. She was, you know, the daughter. And she was just serious and into the science. And... There wasn't much personality from her, but in this one, it was completely different. What do you think? Definitely. You like her? I liked her a lot better because she was very serious, but not like taking herself serious. Like she had a mission, save her mother, right? Yep. That's the idea. And she didn't, she wasn't like 
dun da da I'm going to save the day. She was just sort of like everything was leading to that. And when she was ready to kick the guy's ass or she was very clear with the bad guy guy. Okay. Is this how you want to do it? That's fine. And then you just got this feeling like, oh shit, she is going to kick their asses. Even if she's being a little bit bravado here, we're in for her doing her thing. And then she did. So yeah, I, I felt she was like really good. she would always... I felt but she wasn't like cocky or overly... You know, she wasn't like Thor or Iron Man where they get all pumped up about themselves. She wasn't trying to be super cool. No. No, she was just... No, I liked her a lot. I thought she really had improved. Like... I mean, it's down to, also down to the characterization that they've wrote for her. I think it's more rounded now than it was. It was she wasn't really a main character in the other one, but I liked her a lot. So, um, Ant Man still has his friends um, from the, his old criminal days, and in this movie, he started a business. They're called XCon, which is a good name for a security business. Yeah. So they're all XCons who are now selling security, you know, alarms and stuff like that. And Michael Penner plays his friend Lewis and uh, Bobby Khan. No, he's not in there, is he? Well, he's got his three friends. They were in the first one. Yeah. They were really super annoying in the first one. I remember it being the thing <laughs> about the first one where I was like, oh my God, just lose those friends. They're so annoying. In this one, while they were slightly over the top, I think they reined them in a bit. They weren't. Oh, definitely. They weren't the three stooges like they were in the first one. Because really, that's how they felt. Slapsticky. In this one, they're more... I think Michael Penner's character develops a bit more. I don't think the other two do. Yeah. But Michael Penner's kind of funny, and he actually gets involved in the kind of big action scene because he gets one of the Hot Wheels and gets in it. So I liked him a lot. Walton Goggins, as you mentioned earlier, plays Sonny Birch. He's a bad guy, but he's also like a nothing, right? A little bit of a caricature. Yeah. Of a henchman, because we find out he's not even the bad guy. No. He's not even doing it for, he has no master plan. There's no 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 reason that we know that whoever he works for wants this part for the machine that she needs, or that they want this lab. We do not know. No. So, again, that floats in the back of your mind. Is there someone out there right this minute, because this is before Thanos, you know, snapped his fingers. Spoiler. All this happens before. Yeah, so someone trying to get that to stop that. Who knows? So I, that was floating in the back of my mind. But you still don't know. So yeah, he's just um, he's just sort of the, we want this movie to be about saving the mom, but we need a foe. Right. I mean, you have to have a bad guy, right? For the good guys to fight against. And that's what it felt like to me. And, um, you know, this movie actually takes place. I just checked up on it. It's three weeks before the event, the end of Infinity War. So it's... At the lead up to Infinity War happening, and uh, doesn't matter how far ahead because we saw what happened. Yeah, and now here's <laughs> one I really like this Hannah John Kamen. She plays Ghost. Now you could say she's the baddie also in this movie, but she's not. So right. that they modern day movies we're trying to always do the anti hero, anti hero, anti bad guy because. Everybody has an origin or a reason. Even Thanos has a reason in his mind, right, for what he's doing that some people could get behind. Right. There isn't just this blind, destructo thing about villains much anymore, where they're, if you don't stop them, we're all just doomed, and you can't accept their reasoning or anything. 
What I really liked about Ghost was the design of the suit. I thought it was excellent. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Um, it just looked really awesome. I like the way she phases in and out. Um, we last saw this actress, actually, Hannah John Kamen, in um, Ready Player One. She was the lady, remember? Mm. Do, yeah. But I feel like she didn't even... I liked her in this movie. I liked that the the role that she played and sort of connecting the the two old scientists together and all that. But she's also, like we said, she's not a foe. She interferes a bit, but she has a sympathetic story. She isn't bad. So it's like they only put her in there because she's in the comic and she can look cool because... I'll give you a, a thing about her. She's not in the Ant-Man comics. She is in the Iron Man comics. Right, so we're like, she's cool, oh. she looks cool, we she's, need to stick her in here. She's also not a female in the, I am a, she's a male. So right, so again, that. they've just picked a character, and for what purpose? If you unplugged her part in this completely, just totally took her out. Mm-hmm. Because she's essentially like the guy who's the bad guy, but not the bad guy. Right. So they're just there to give you a little bit of something to fight against. They're a little bit of an obstacle for Ant-Man and and Michael Douglas and the daughter to get to save the mom. And that's it. I think there's like some future for Ghost, I hope. Yeah, she's... but spoiler, she's not Ghost anymore. Right. Think about it. Yeah, true. She doesn't <laughs> have that power anymore. Right, so... Like, what was the purpose, except she looks super cool, and her character and her problem helps us understand a tiny more bit about this quantum physics thing. Just a tiny, tiny bit about the phasing, and that she kind of exists, but she doesn't, you know. So she sort of, like, symbolizes visually what we're talking about when we say the mom has gone into the quantum realm. Yeah. Kind of. None of us are going to understand. No. We're not scientists. Michael Douglas uh, plays Hank Pym again. Um, they did that thing in this movie that they like to do in Marvel movies where they make actors look younger at the beginning. It wasn't bad either. No, it wasn't bad. I no. was like starting to cringe. I'm like, oh, that's not They kept bad. him in the shadow just enough and it was believable. And they also did it with Michelle Pfeiffer. Yep. But um, they looked all right. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer uh, is in this movie too, which I didn't mm-hmm. actually know she was in it. And when she popped up, I was like, whoa. She pops up right at the beginning. But um, I can't remember the last time I saw Michelle Pfeiffer. It's been Can a you? while. Mm-mm. It seems like a long time ago. Again, I think she was good, just not in it very much. And finally, Lawrence Fishburne plays Bill Foster, another scientist. What do you think of Lawrence? He's fine. He's better than he has been in a while. He, mm-hmm. he looked like he wasn't on the verge of dying. I think in a couple of movies from the last few years, he felt like he was <laughs> not very healthy. And he just seemed a little more, like, tuned in, and I believed his... He's charismatic, I think. In this? I liked him in John Wick as well, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I felt he was charismatic in this. I kind of... Again, you know, when some things are telegraphed a little bit too much, I kind of saw what was coming with him. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like last week, when when we were talking about the movie last week, and I was like, oh, this movie just... I feel like I know everything that's going to happen. That kind of th- that was very comic booky, like where something you know, Doc Ock. Let's let's talk about Doc Ock <laughs> and Spider Man. A very similar deal. Um, so yeah, that's the uh, that's the cast. Um, I can't. I have no complaints about that cast. No. Really directed by Peyton Reed. He also directed the original Ant Man. He directed Yes Man 
if you remember that movie with um, You Tell Me Who Was In Yes Man. Mm, I'll, tell, I'll tell you. Jim okay. Carrey. Remember? Yes. Yes. Yeah, to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> and The Breakup, which was a romantic comedy with Jennifer Aniston. So this pe- we've talked about Peyton Reed before because he directed Ant-Man. I actually like his style. This movie has a style to it. Kind of. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, except for the special effects. It's not like Solo, all bleak and everything. It's nice to look at. You can see everything. (laughs) It's crazy. Solo's That any filmmaker would choose to let you see what the hell's going on. Now, there's a lot of blur in those moments of shrinking and going up, but I feel like it'd be a pretty difficult challenge, and I don't know what it's like in a split second to go from being the size of an ant to being the size of a human. It's quantum physics. You will never understand it. Exactly. So I accept the blur for those moments. And also, you know, when you're super tiny, the things far away are going to look blurry. But, you know, this movie does the the big action sequence, which is a big car chase, and it's awesome. And you've got our heroes growing from small to big. It's... Right in the middle of the day, it's in the streets of San Francisco. They're not trying to hide anything. There's a giant ant man wandering around. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like Solo, where you're like, what the fuck, I can't see. It's like everything's there right in front of you. It's like re- looking at the comic book. I love that. So I, I like what this guy did. Um, there are extras on the Blu-ray, of course. There are deleted scenes. There's a gag reel. There's back in the ant suit. These are little featurettes. A suit of her own, the Wasp. There's a subtomic superheroes, Hank and Janet. And there's Quantum Perspective. Um, it's not a ton of stuff, to be honest. I didn't see a commentary. Is there a commentary? No. Boo. <laughs> you love your commentary. doesn't look like there's a commentary. Um, it's not a ton of stuff. Actually, the, the beginning, of the sticker on the front says it's over an hour of features. I miss the days... I miss the days when Marvel did the one-shot little things and it was like an extra little story that they put on the Blu-ray. <laughs> they just don't do them anymore. But um, the extras are good, but short and brief. If you like to see Paul Rudd clowning around on set, you you will really like this because there's a lot of gag type stuff. So, uh, conclusion, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Sid Talk can go first. I enjoyed it a lot. And you didn't expect to? No. So that's my conclusion. I really enjoyed it. And, and I'll I'm, come down I'm a hard nut to crack. I am a very big Marvel fan, as you know. Uh, Star Wars and Marvel are my jam. Hmm, your jam? Marvel has Please not... Please don't try to be cool. I don't think Marvel Is has really cool steered anymore? me wrong at all. Um, whereas Star Wars kind of has now. <laughs> no, they haven't. Oh my god. Just because of one director with a bad fucking eye. Um, but don't I don't. I Star Wars. disliked any of the Marvel movies. Any of them. They're all really good for me. I didn't dislike Solo, except for the look. Yeah. And the Chewbacca is not a man-eating. No, there's just too much stuff in it now. There's too much... I don't disown it or anything. I'd watch it again, but... There's too much stuff that doesn't feel right about that movie. It was indulgent. And when someone takes it upon themselves to make a franchise or part of a bigger story their own, even I am not an advocate of that. If you want to make your own weird, spacey movie... That's dark and crappy as far as like visually, then just go do it. Don't do it in the Star Wars or Star Trek or Marvel universe. They've they've got a look and that's acceptable to me. Yeah. You know, if every movie was different, you know, it's like a if you got a jigsaw puzzle and none of the pieces go together, that makes no sense. Or if you put them all together and there's no picture, 
I mean, some people might like that, but they'll be like, uh, this is the rebel puzzle. I would like the regular puzzle, please, where in the end I get a picture. And that's what I want is one big story told cohesively. And I do think Marvel... Oh, they pull that off. The only difference are the Netflix shows, and those are fine as a... They balance it out to me. I can integrate them all into, you know, yeah, into one world. Oh, by the way, did you see that your guy, Iron Man, Iron Fist, will not get a third? Yeah, I also uh, was about to say, we're going to start Iron Fist Season 2 today, uh, because uh, it's Marvel Day. But he doesn't get a Season 3. No, he doesn't, but uh, Season 2 he gets, and we haven't seen it yet. It just came out, so... I liked uh, Iron Fist. I was probably the only person. You liked it too. I like it. Yeah, I do. I like um, Colleen. What? Yeah, Colleen. Yeah, she's really awesome. Um, and also Misty was first off, first in there, wasn't she as well? Even though now Misty... You know what though? Even though it's not getting a third season, he. I was reading an interview with him today. He's still going to appear as Iron Fist in other things. Mm. Um, where, you know, like where he kind of wanders into Daredevil and does a thing and then he's not. So it just means he won't have his own show. It's the first Marvel show to be cancelled. That sucks for him. Is it? Yeah. They haven't cancelled any of their shows. Hmm. So that sucks to be the first. That's a bummer. I understand why. Apparently. If you think of it as a bigger thing, I do get it. Yeah. But the first season was great and everybody slagged it off and I, I, we watched it. And we heard people slagging it off because we had the CADcast talking about it and stuff. And we, I, I just was always watching it going, this is... FYI, the CADcast does not yeah. matter to me. Their but opinions thinking, are so bullshit. I kept thinking, um, it's, it's the same quality as Daredevil or Jessica Jones. It's, it just it feels like another one of those shows. Or Luke Cage. You know? And I like the brother and sister. Yeah. That whole thing with the weird dad. Yeah. They were really... Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. It's a good story. Yeah, so we're, we're going to see what the new one is all about. But maybe not a third... Well, definitely not a third one. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I loved Ant-Man and the Wasp. After the first Ant-Man being one of my least favorite Marvel movies of them all, I wasn't... I didn't have high hopes, but this is like, for me, like 100% improvement over the other one. So, awesome. Very good. Very fun. Very fun. Next up for Marvel will be uh, Captain Marvel, and that'll be um, early next year. So, uh, yeah, there's the three Marvel movies this year, and we've reviewed them all. So uh, thank you to Marvel and Disney for sending Is that some kind us. of life accomplishment? It is, to see all the Marvel <laughs> movies, and I have. Uh, not sure. So thank you uh, to Marvel and Disney for sending us a copy for review. Next week's movie review will be Ocean's 8. It's a heist movie. Said talk. Anything starts with oceans. I'm not really interested unless it's like a documentary about the earth. Well, again, you might think you don't like it and then you might like You're it. You're right. Yeah. I just have not been a huge fan of any of the oceans movies. So. And I just watched them recently because I said to you, uh, I have some cinematic blind spots. That one is a, is one where I, I never watch them. And why? Because I'm the biggest heist person ever. I love heist movies. True. And I didn't realize, I didn't know why I never watched them. And then I watched them all. And I can honestly say uh, for the Oceans movies, the first one, I didn't like that much while I was watching it. But then afterwards, when I thought about it, I actually kind of digged it for what it was. The second one is horrendously terrible. I would never watch that one again. Every frame of it is bad for me. 
And the third one was kind of like they were trying to be like the first one again, but it doesn't quite pull it off. So they were just sequels for the sake of sequels, I think, because they were, you know, making big money at the time. Yeah, and they could get all the famous faces together and they could make a big, you know, load of money. Yep. Ocean's 8 is a female-led cast. That doesn't endear me to it unless it's good. I believe it's like George Clooney's sister or something. Like, that's how it's tied together. So, um, we'll look at that next week. Movie recommendations. I am going on the theme of Ant-Man and the Wasp and Paul Rudd, who I really love. So I'm going with This Is 40, which is one of my favorite Paul Rudd movies. It's a um, Judd Apatow movie. It's just about him and his wife getting to 40. And it's just very funny and very kind of direct, you know? Yeah. And Anchorman, which is... Anchorman, come on. You know what I'm saying? Is that your whole defense of it? Brian Fantana. It is what it is. Yeah. Therefore, it is good. I love Anchorman. It's awesome. And yours are? And mine are... uh, I'm going into Hollywood. I'm Hollywood. Halloween mode. So as we discussed, the Dawn of the Dead movies, the original Dawn of the Dead and then the remake of Dawn of the Dead, both uh, good is a relative term, I know, for people. I'm a zombie person. I'm not actually a zombie, but I appreciate the zombie story. You know, the humans ending humans. The humans are dead. <laughs> like conflict of rotting humans, eating humans, and the whole, all of it. The doomsday approach to the idea of zombies, all of it. Good or bad, which leads me to my next one, because I just watched it yesterday. And it's Day of the Dead Bloodline. Now, don't be mistaken, this isn't Day of the Dead of the original... Not the remake. George Romero. This is, oh yeah, or that. This is Day of the Dead Bloodline from this year. It's not um, a great. <laughs> <laughs> it has some moments. It has in it the story that I want to see on The Walking Dead. That somewhere in humanity, there are people who are potentially physically immune to this thing we've never addressed it we've never go outside and we're we don't do any science in the walking dead it's getting supremely boring because i don't give a shit anymore about these people i just don't care at all about any of their fighting couldn't care less if negan disappeared don't care don't care that rick's gonna be gone because what i care about is what is happening with the zombie world and the world of humans and if this if you took this movie which is not great has a lot of very bad acting. Lots of horrible looping. Looping is when they go into the studio after they've filmed the scenes and redo the audio so the people's mouths don't match what's actually supposed to be coming out of them. There's a lot of that going on. The special effects are gory for gory's sake and all that. It doesn't look horrible or anything, but I mean, that kind of stuff I'm not into. But if they would take the idea that they found somebody who's not fully zombified or somebody who got bitten, but then they never changed. <gasps> What's going on? Are there more? What can we do? How do we make it? Da, da, da. I realize in the walking dead, then you're like, well, we can solve the problem. It's no longer interesting. That would be fine. Then we could end it. So it had potential. So it's day of the day of the dead bloodline and dawn of the dead. Both of them. Okay. And how was uh, the new season of the walking dead that we watched? This week. The you first better episode. answer that. I think I've just explained my feelings on Walking Dead, so. Um, I liked this first episode. It was a, it had some dumbness to it, 
but I did like what they did. Hold on, let's rewind. Uh, do you mean like all of Rick Grimes' plans? I mean like over the, the last glass years? floor in the museum. You think that was a dumb idea? Yeah, it was just dumb. That's the actual floor in that building. Yeah, still dumb. Yeah, but they didn't invent that. They're just using that as a tool to make the zombie thing look weird. So I did like what happened at the end of the episode. Did you? With Maggie. Yeah. Mm, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a little more ballsy. But again, it's not telling me any story anymore. It's just this little power struggle in this little tiny area with this tiny group of people in comparison to the whole world. I hated it when my favorite character got kicked by the horse and died. <laughs> I hated that part. You know what I'm I saying? Your favorite character was the tiger. No, my favorite character was that that guy who got kicked by the horse and died. Right. It made me so sad. Oh well, you'll be all right. I'm actually being sarcastic because who, who who the fuck even knows who that guy is? <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you're a nobody on that show, but none of them matter die. anymore. Everyone's disposable, and if you're attached to them, I'm attached to it's some. It's just like a soap opera and. The zombie thing needs to actually matter. Is I'm very committed opera? to the zombie thing. <laughs> I want I want good zombie stories. I am um, even if it looks bad, even if it's got bad special effects, I want somebody to give me something like, "Ooh, I never thought of that in this half dead, half alive rambling human world." I did like the new direction this was kind of taking. It just felt felt different and the the they move forward in time a little bit. I think it's a bit preachy about how wonderful everybody has to be. Maggie's the only one with the balls, so to speak, to not be yeah, going in that direction. Yeah, but we're only one episode at the moment. Yeah. I'm hoping... I'd it. be happy to skip it, but you watch it every week, so I might as well watch it with you. Yeah. That's how negative I'm feeling about it right now. It got a really... Uh, it's it's Viewing figures are really, really bad this year, um, I noticed, on the first episode. Not that I like to belong to any group of any kind, but in this situation, I totally understand. The first episode, um, they lost 50% of viewers from their last season premiere last year. So they definitely people are definitely dropping off the train. Or either that or they just wait until it's over and watching it all, all at once kind of thing. Mm, yeah. You know? Like, it's not as important to watch it every week live. They're just like, oh, I'll just watch it when it's finished and get the Blu-ray. So, I still enjoy it. It is, it's not the best, and it's not the worst. It's somewhere in the Right, middle. so how can that be enjoyable? It just if is. I don't know. I feel happening. comfortable with the characters. You're I like comfortable with do. it. It's a yeah. habit, and you don't want to let go of it. Sometimes you just got to let it go or let it change. I'll be there till the end. You might be alone if it I personally stays don't so care. boring. Like, I don't really... Like, a big deal that they're making about Rick Grimes leaving. I don't care about that. It's don't not either. Couldn't care less. I mean, I like Andrew Lincoln, but he, I don't think he has to exist for that show to happen. No, like, we, I mean, I like the other one, too, and... The other one. The other show. Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah. Fear the Walking Dead's actually the better show at the moment. It's weird. I mean, they're both turned into the same thing where it's just about the people and their little struggles versus the actual thing that's happened to the world. Yeah. Which I think is a much more interesting story. All right. So Ace Scully stuff. I've been playing a bit more Forza Horizon 4, but that was kind of put on the back burner slightly for a week or two while I've been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Every single moment that you're not doing something else. <laughs> yeah. It's a big game. hundred hours plus. Easily. You even dream about it now. I did have a dream about it last night that I was clearing parts of the map. And then when I went to play it today, I was like, did I really clear those? Oh, no, I didn't. It was just a dream. I haven't done that part of the map. 
It's really awesome. It's Assassin's Creed, but they have they've taken Assassin's Creed like to some other place. It's such a the game's always been kind of, kind of good. Sometimes there've been some bad episodes of Assassin's Creed. Don't get me wrong. It's not always been great, but last year with Assassin's Creed Origins, it started to turn it into a different type of game, more of an RPG instead of just an action game. And this year they take that they've turned it fully into an RPG and it just makes it so much better. There's so many quests and leveling up and all these different systems in place, it just makes you want to play just a little bit more. I found it's that kind of game where I think to myself, I'll play for half an hour and then two hours later I'm like, Oh, I'm still playing. What the hell? Like it I just sucks. I like it. Yeah, it just sucks the and just sucks you in. Like you just want to keep oh well like, if I just go over that hill there that I better find something the map design is so good. Every place that you go to, there's something new and different for you to find. The quests are like super... I did a quest yesterday that you arrive at this house and, you, you know, she's like a warrior. Uh, and she, the person at the house says, oh, we're having a party. You can't wear your warrior gear. You just have to wear a dress. So she puts a dress on and it's not her thing. They take all the weapons away from her, so she's just got no weapons. She's just in this dress. And the whole mission is you going into this party with all these ancient Greek people and socializing, which is not what she does. She kills people. <laughs> so it's really hard for her. She's in a dress. She's in this party. And you're trying to like learn information from all these different politicians and people in this party. And it it's a whole mission that lasts about an hour, where she never, ever uses a weapon, obviously. She, she's just talking to people. And I, I was like, wow, this is really different. Like, Assassin's Creed's never done this before. They, you know, the whole mission is about talking, learning what these people are, and answer it. You get to answer them back, like in a Telltale game. You get choices, like, so you never used to have any of that. So you can answer really cockily, or you can try and, like, you know, like the person and kind of agree with them so they're on your side. And you come out of the party at the end and she puts all the, you know, all the gladiator stuff back on and she's like, God, those people, they're exhausting. But you've learned all this information and now you've got all these new points on the map, what you've learned about in this party that you can go and investigate. So it's like, it's just a cool setup for a game. They also have this, the Greeks are fighting the Spartans throughout the entire game, trying to take over land. And you can sometimes arrive at a piece of land and there's a little meter at the bottom that will say like, oh, the Spartans are winning this portion of the land. And there'll be two places in this portion of the land where you can go. You can even go and help the Spartans or you can go and help the Greek Greek people, Grecians. And you end up in a battle and it's a big battle and you can be on either side, but you will eventually help this war like effort. So... You know, you'll come and you'll help the Spartans and next time it happens, they'll be like, well, thanks to you, we took over that piece of land because you helped us. And you can kind of side with whoever you want to side with, depending on what you think at that time. So there's that. There's also this whole, like, there's a cult in ancient Greece and there are these cultists who are really bad and they're they're doing this thing that is kind of unbeknown are any cults really good um <laughs> might be neutral yeah neutral but this isn't a good cult this is a they're a cult of killers basically okay and 
about halfway through the game, well, I'm not even halfway, a third of the way through the game, you get this big, like, screen full of cult members, and they're all wearing masks. It's kind of like eyes wide shut. And what you've got to do is you, like, one of the cult members is unveiled to you at the beginning. They say, like, we know that this guy is a member of the cult. So if you go and assassinate that guy and then you investigate where he lives, you might find some clues to other cult members, and that is how it goes. So you go and find this guy... You assassinate him. He, he has a note on him that mentions some other cult members. And then it starts to show up on the map. Well, these cult members are here and these are here. And then it turns into this manhunt of you going after all these different cult members and eventually taking the entire cult down and learning what it's all about. It's not even a main thing in the game. It's just like this thing that occurs and you're like, oh, now I have to go and get all these 40 people. I've got to go and find them all. And it's not just an easy matter of, like, it puts a mark on the map and you go and find them. You have to actually investigate them, and it gives you a vague idea where they are. It'll say, well, they're near the volcano to the north, and then you've got to go there and try and find them. Then when you do find them, you mark them, and then, you know, they'll probably be guarded. They are cult members. They're not just sat on their own in a field. So it's like Hitman. You know, you got to go and... <laughs> so, And that's just... Like, it's not even the main plot. It's just a thing that's in there that I've kind of got lost. Oh, I'm going to go and get more of these cult members. So, And then there's the, you know, I just got to Athens and Socrates is there and I've spoke to Socrates and he's telling me all his wisdom. You know, there are ancient Greek figures in here. So they've done really good at Ubisoft with this game. I think it's the best Assassin's Creed game they've made, which is, I've played them all. There's nothing quite... I think the ancient Greece thing uh, makes it also... I think it's a really good era. And in history, it's it's like a romanticized thing, right? Ancient Greece. We, Definitely. We've seen it through movies and it's just like a cool thing. Like, And to see it all like pristine and you're living in it, I really enjoy it. So that's Assassin's Creed Odyssey. There's also a season pass out for the game. It's $40. And I think this season pass is going to be worth it because they're going to do episodic content for this game. So when you finish the main story, uh, starting at the beginning of December, they're going to release every six weeks a new storyline that goes into the game. And they're doing six of them. So every six weeks for, you know, and they're doing six episodes. And you're following a, a different story. It's the story of how... Assassin's Creed Odyssey fits into the rest of Assassin's Creed. And that story is going to be played out over this like episodic thing, like watching a Netflix show, I guess. Um, and they promise that will be another 60 to 70 hours of content. So if you love this game, it's not over when it's over. There's going to be this whole new you know episode that's going to be inserted in there. Also, if you buy the season pass, it's $40, which is almost as much as the game, which is crazy but it is a lot more content you uh, also get assassin's creed 3 remastered which um i think 3 is one of the best assassin's creed games and now you can play it in 4k so it's brand new remastered and that's just comes free with it so i think this is just a win overall assassin's creed i want to play it right now talking about it so <laughs> what's for dinner tonight will be eggs beans and toast yeah the classic Maybe potato if I feel like peeling a potato. And what is your message? 
to the people. My message? No more no longer advice. <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not a cheery message. But like, you know, in life, we live in our little bubble. So like the reality is you're important to like very few people. Like really important. You know, high, like you and I are important to each other. Like life ending kind of important if one of us disappeared or died, it would be traumatic and horrible like with your parents or siblings or friend, best friends or children or whatever. Yeah. Then there's a few people outside of that little bubble who are kind of important. They know of you. They would care if you died. They, you know. And beyond that, maybe a few people who would remember you if someone reminded them. They go, oh, yeah, I went to high school with her. Or, yeah, I met her once. Whatever. And then all of the other humans who have ever existed in all of human history and whoever ever will exist, the trillions of humans who will ever, ever exist, you're nothing. You're nothing. Like, you're nothing to them, and they're nothing to you. You might care in general about humanity, but individually. So, I don't even know what the point of that is, (laughs) except some people forget that when they dismiss an entire group of people, you know, a poor people, an ethnic group, a nationality, people from a country, people of a color, whatever, you don't matter to them either. Like, you're irrelevant to them. You're nothing. And you're dismissing an entire group of people who, every single one of those individual people, every single one, I don't care how horrible of an individual they become in their life, every single human has people just like you who love them, who they care about, and whatever their fucked up reasons for doing bad things, I will not excuse and it's not, I will never, like, I don't know, it's punishable. But every single person has the same experiences that you do. Someone taught him how to walk. Someone had him, taught him how to eat off a fork. Someone taught him how to not touch a hot stove or get near a fire or run across the street. Every single person. Now, there may be exceptions with some weird, really effed up situations, but I mean, in general. And so you dismiss whole groups without thinking of them as individual people who are just like you. So, that is true. I mean, it's just something to think about. There's no end to that uh, observation. All right. Thank you. <laughs> so if you want to catch us, go to ascally.com or sidtalk.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. We have a couple of contests running at the moment. If you want to win, you know, it's always good to win, right? <laughs> is it? Yeah. <laughs> and what you can win is a copy of Ant-Man and the Wasp on Blu-ray. I am giving one of those away. Just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word contest. You can enter to win a copy of Ant-Man and the Wasp if you know the answer to a simple question. I'm also giving away a copy of HBO's Barry, which is a new show with Bill Hader, and it's a he's like a hitman. So I'm giving that away on DVD, so you can also enter to win that. Go to aschoolie.com for all the details. You can also catch this podcast on the Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store, Ascully.com, just click on the word podcast. If you've got an Amazon device, say your trigger word, you know, the name of the A word, and then say, listen to After the Show Movie Podcast on TuneIn. It will play you the latest episode. You can also catch us on YouTube. Email feedback to me at ascully.com. Email Sid Talk. And finally, stay classy Marvel in general, because here's to another 10 years of Marvel movies. (laughs) And I'm going to say, think for yourself or someone will do it for you.